So hello and welcome to episode 37 of the Saddlecast for this season. Myself, Glyn Price, I'm back after a one-week absence. And uh, yeah, joined by Ollie, who held the fort down, well, last week, Ollie, uh, with a couple of guests. So um, yeah, it's been a mad few weeks, hasn't it? But uh, yeah, we're kind of getting towards the end now. So good to be back together for the last last run-in of this season, mate. Yeah, a little run-in. Maybe we'll try and get guests to maybe the next few weeks to have different mm. voice on. Um, but yeah, it was obviously, um, obviously you had busy week last week but it's good to get um, Nathan Tom on and share their opinion on things so yeah it's always good to hear different people's opinions and get them on the podcast but yeah we're obviously two game week where we normally try not to have a guest because yeah just would make the podcast too long wouldn't it so yeah interesting game um, but uh, an interesting week as well we've conceded six goals this week so plenty of goals to talk about and plenty of discussion points yeah, and yeah, obviously last week you were talking about the Ipswich game and I was in Cork on a stag party and uh, with all of the lads from Shrewsbury, a bunch of lads who are Shrewsbury Town fans and, and lads who went who used to play for the Wayseporters and yeah, you were obviously talking about the experience of watching that Wally game, uh, that Wally goal last week in the stadium, which sounded amazing. Um but yeah, the, the moment that came through on Sky Sports News and we saw that Wally had scored, it was a bit of sweet Ollie, because um, you know, I've been saying for weeks I wanted to see him get his last goal for the club, didn't I? And uh, you know, at that point in time thought we might never have seen I might never have seen that last Wally goal if he was not to renew his contract obviously that changed this week didn't it with the goal he scored but um, yeah and you know fantastic moment really but um, yeah I was quite gutted to miss that one Ollie so it was good to hear you guys talk so positively about it yeah it was a good moment and a nice moment <laughs> for him and obviously he scored again this week which was nice yep. and um, yeah going on a bit of a high um, in terms of goal scoring yeah, normally, if you score three or four goals in back to, you know, in a close period of time, you might have a chance of winning goal, uh, you know, top goal scorer. But not this season, as we'll get to, because we've got a couple of strikers who've been banging them in really. But um, yeah, as you're right, Ollie, two goal games this week. Obviously, the away game at Sunderland, um, and then yeah, the game on Monday, which was uh, at home to Doncaster. So yeah, this is our Easter recap, isn't it? The two Easter games didn't quite go the way we wanted to, but um, yeah, plenty to dive into. So mate, let's let's crack on. Corners deep, waterfall round the back, should have scored. Doesn't matter. Akenavere has Shrewsbury in front. So Easter Friday, um, yeah, Shrewsbury Town went to Sunderland um, and came away with. Let's, let's be honest, an unlucky 3-2 loss in the end. Um, yeah, Sunderland 3, Shrewsbury Town 2. Goals from Embleton on 4 minutes and Nathan Broadhead on 13 and 92 minutes for Sunderland. And then Shrewsbury's goal was through Vela on 50 minutes and Flanagan on 58 when we came roaring back into the game. So, yeah, we'll, we'll dig into the game in a minute. But, um, yeah, only, only the fourth time this season um, that we've actually scored more than one goal away from home in the league, which tells its own tales of our struggles away from home this season. Um, but also, conversely, defensively, Ollie, it's only the fourth time we've conceded three or more goals in a league game this season. And I was looking into this because, you know, it obviously hasn't happened very many times this season. We're having a good defensive record, haven't we? And the only times it's happened was in the second, fourth game of the season, then a huge gap and, and the two games this week at Easter. So it's been, <laughs> been a bit of a weird one defensively. We've been, we, we were not very tight for the first few weeks. Then we've been really tight all the way through until the last two games. And then we've conceded um, three goals in two games back to back which is a bit weird isn't it Ollie but um, yeah I think you know stats there mate that just kind of paint the same picture we've been talking about um, you know not scoring many goals away from home this season or, or in general and, and conceding um, you know keeping them out the net until you know the last couple of games this week so overall kind of still continues that pattern we've been talking about doesn't it yeah we had a good defensive record coming into this weekend we, yeah. but now we've been caught up by a few teams in terms of having that third best defence I think we've lost that title now we have six yeah. goals and yeah, this, the Sunderland game is that the goals aren't as bad. There's some good strikes in there. Obviously, Doncaster is a completely different extreme. We'll get onto that in due course. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's going to be interesting when we get into Doncaster game to kind of maybe kind of dig into the second half when we yeah. conceded three goals and what the reasons are. So that should be interesting. 
But um, yeah, yeah, some interesting stats there. Going. Yeah, and and the weirdest stat about the whole game was that was the third game in a row where Sunderland had scored an injury time or a last minute um, winner to keep sort of that good run they've got going. So um, yeah, fair play. It shows that they've obviously got a hell of a lot of commitment and probably quite a lot of buy-in. Um, despite the how much they struggled during certain parts of that game, they've obviously got a lot of buy-in to what the manager's trying to get them to do. And, and sticking in those games is what you need to do really if you're gonna you know make it into your playoffs and, and go all the way in terms of getting promotion, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Um, they're, they're in spells a very, very good side. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And it's certainly, unfortunately for us, in injury time. <laughs> so, yeah, there you go. There's the stats, Ollie. So, um, yeah, go on. Let's run us through the team, mate. Yeah, very quickly, as you know, everyone knows, the um, team doesn't change too much. Um, obviously, we had to make a change um, with Ebanks being injured. And I think we've missed his his balance that he brings to the back three. Um, so we had Maurice in goal, Pennington, Fleming and Leahy. Um, then obviously we shuffled round, had Wally for now and Vela in midfield with Bennett mm. and Nurse, the wing-backs, and Bowman and Doe up front. So quite a, a settled team um, there, Glenn, obviously playing our best players. Um, bench does, no offence to the young lads, but the bench isn't very strong. Um, so we're fortunate, I think, that we haven't had too many injuries. I know there's something you were talking about after this game, about Bennett's yeah. injury. We really missed him on Sat on on Monday, um, but you were planning on making this trip, Lynn. Oh, don't even start. I'm sure if anyone sort of followed us on Twitter, they might have seen that I was. Uh, I had a little mini break to Cricketh after getting back from the Stag Point in Cork. Did a few days' work back in Shrewsbury, and then went up to the coast in Cricketh and, and spent a few days with the family up there. And um, stayed over on the on the what was the Thursday night. Um, I know it's all changed around, isn't it? Because it's Easter and we're not playing on Saturdays. But yeah, so stayed up there and was planning to drive all the way up to Sunderland um, from Cricketh, which would have been a bit of a, a monster journey from Wales. Um, but I hadn't spotted Holly, and um, and I don't think I was the only one from sort of seeing some of the people on Twitter saying, oh, I'd, I'd not seen it. it, was all ticket at Sunderland. It wasn't a sellout um, in their end. I think there was 33,000 there, which is which is quite a way below a sellout at Sunderland. Um, and obviously the town end didn't sell out, but yeah, they'd made it all ticket. And, and someone was saying it was because they were doing season ticket renewals and they didn't want Shiva Town fans coming up and you know adding to the queues they might have had, which seems a bit of a joke. But yeah, I'm so unused to going to all ticket games at League One. I just thought I could rock up there. So unfortunately, my trip to Sunderland was actually a drive back to Shrewsbury. Um, stopped at Transfinid Lake at the cafe there and had a, had a bit of breakfast on the way home, but it wasn't quite as an exciting day. And at one point when we got back to 2-2 and we were watching that exciting half, I was a bit gutted, but actually I would have probably been quite upset to go there and see us lose 3-2 in the end, Ollie. So yeah, to- total mess up, but um, yeah, lessons learned. I'll be buying tickets for Charlton next weekend in advance just in case they make it all ticket. At least you didn't at least you weren't driving up or got there when you figured it out. Well, yeah, that would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? I think I did contact the ticket office and they gave me some options and it was like, you know, if you go up and we, we might be able to do something. I thought if it was like, you know, Port Vale or, you know, somewhere Burton, you'd give it a go, wouldn't you, on the off chance it's worth it for an hour, but a four hour journey didn't really feel like it was worth the risk. So unfortunately I wasn't there, but um being as it was Easter game, um it was an iFollow, wasn't it, for everybody to watch. So um yeah, I've got back to Shrewsbury um and then fired up the iFollow at three o'clock and, and watched the game um remotely unfortunately so yeah the game didn't start too well did it Glenn um, nope. poor start to the game from a Shrewsbury's perspective um, fantastic for Sunderland fans Their ca- they had an attack um, we think it was a handball by Flanagan free kick Embleton took the, f- the free kick hit the wall and then it bounced to Broadhead who fired an absolutely brilliant half volley into the back of the net no yeah. chance Maurice if we get to that one no, I couldn't, couldn't really blame Morosi for that one. Um, 
quite a long way out so sometimes people say oh, how's he let that in but a lot of bodies in between him and it was just hit with pace wasn't it um so i can't really be too critical of morosi um who's been harsh to concede six goals this week i think personally um and and also the free kick was an interesting one i think it was you know say claims a handball was it handball because on the day it looked like it was a bit of a, a coming together of two players but it wasn't like didn't look like a foul and so there was a little bit of dubiousness about what the free kick had been given for but i think um yeah in, in retrospect it seems like it was possibly handball so um yeah a bit unfortunate but you know one of those one of those goals that you see a, a team like Sunderland score with some genuine quality um scoring what was it three four minutes something like that you did worry about um where this game would be going pretty soon and you did certainly after 30 minutes when they got the second but yeah well, not not the best start Ollie and um yeah you know I don't I don't I think it shook us we weren't great in this opening spell were we and the opening goal kind of didn't help us settle into the game no not at all and then and then it was only what was it nine minutes later yeah. Um, basically, Sunderland in the hunt, they were playing some amazing football. We have to give credit where credit's due. There's a lot of shooter fan fans criticising Shrewsbury Town players. I thought we did look a bit sluggish. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't look we didn't look our normal self. But you have to give credit where credit's due. Sunderland were fantastic. Alex Neal had really got the team playing really well. Yeah, the hunt for a second goal, shot from distance, came through a crowd. So it was, I thought it was actually a good save yeah. for Marisi yeah. in terms of getting to it. It was really low. It dipped at the last minute, last second. And he got to it, but then it came to um, a Sunderland player who fired the ball into the back of the net. And yeah, it was um, yeah disappointing um, from from that perspective. I'm sorry, we got the goals wrong. It was Embleton who scored the first goal, and Broad yes. scored the second goal. Got it. Sorry, I got the wrong way around. And yeah, it was it was a good goal. And yeah, it's it's funny because you know most games we go into it, we don't you know we've learned from this side that we don't fear a thrashing. But at this point. Um, only 13 minutes in being 2-0 down with 80 or so minutes left to go Um, did you worry? I certainly did yeah, because they even between the goals they were purring, weren't they? They were playing, as you just said, some really nice football. They were down our flanks. I don't think um, Bennett and Nurse started too well. They got pegged pegged back quite deep in that that period of the game and almost became that flat back four. But I think that was probably necessary due to the fact that we just couldn't get out, could we? And we were kind of stuck in that opening spell. And you know, once they got the second, you did wonder how we were going to hang on in there because if it continued like it did in the opening spell, we would have got absolutely turned over in the end, um, and they probably would have got more than the, the the goals that they got in the end. But um, yeah, I, it was it was a bit unfortunate with the goal again just another bit of quality um, but you know to be honest with you it was one of those ones where we went 2-0 down after 30 minutes and it was probably fair it was it was deserved wasn't it you couldn't really argue it was unlucky to be 2-0 down that soon it was just we were up against some quality I think the other thing about it was the early goal really helped the Sunderland fans um, and, and in the second half we'll come back to Sunderland fans and how they didn't help their team but in the first half that early goal just got them right into it you know their promotion hopes you know everybody bang on the way they were playing it was just a very very difficult sort of environment and atmosphere for us to try and work our way back into the game and um, we didn't really start to do that until a little bit after the second goal but um, I think once we once we saw them out for a little bit that kind of gave us a bit of a platform but yeah lots of factors really for that quick start um, and, and you know we'd given ourselves a mountain to climb um, which didn't seem like we would be able to but yeah we were maybe 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 people thinking like we're a little bit too negative looking at the game now yeah I'm not sure what it was I think we'll I think we'll try and discuss this kind of mentality point more in the Doncaster game to um, say yeah. repeating ourselves but yeah it wasn't good um, obviously then we had um, an injury to Bennett which I think was a big loss um, Daniels came Huge. on and yeah he stood he was at, you saw him at the, the Doncaster game and he stood in protective boot you met him let's, let's talk about that now after the Doncaster yeah. game you met him didn't you you had a photo of the kids Yes, I put it out on the on the Blue and Amber account, and um, it's 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 more about you know I, I you know our personal interaction with him was lovely. My kids went up and said, "Can we have a photo?" I took a photo and I sort of said, "I wish you a speedy recovery." And he said, "Thanks very much." But 
uh, you know, my mum and dad, I often get a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of a little No, no. <laughs> he'd run off. Um, no, I'm sure. He, uh, do you know what? This is the point, though, is that, you know, in the bit before we asked for the photo, walking down there, I'd reserved what he was like, and he'd come out, and the man's got like a, a kind of persuasive smile. Do you know what I mean? He seems like a really happy, um, you know, the sort of bloke that you kind of want to represent your football club. And he, and he, he was all smiles. He was signing kids' shirts. He was talking to some of the kids who obviously hang around after the game to get autographs and, and see the players. He seemed to know them by name, which I thought was fantastic. And, you know, had enough time for, for everybody who was there. Um, we'd been to Lidl with mum and dad. They wanted to do some shopping. I was going to get a lift home with them. So we don't normally hang around. So it was kind of nice to, to bump into one of the players, really. And um, he just seemed like a really genuinely nice bloke, Ollie. Um, and the sort of bloke that kind of does does things for your football club in, you know, fostering that nice relationship. And obviously he's been fantastic on the pitch, hasn't he, Ollie? Um, in terms of his contribution this season, definitely up there for sort of top five players of the season. But it seems like off the pitch, my first interaction with him, is is his effort he puts in on the pitch is matched by his attitude off it. And I think that's the sort of professional that Steve Cottrell likes. And it's certainly the sort of professional that Shrewsbury Town fans fall in love with as well, isn't it? So it was, it was great to see. It seemed like a really, really nice guy. Yeah, no, he is one of those players who... Um... I think where Cottrell talks about the culture of the club, I think Leahy's another one, isn't he, where he's brought yep. in players that have the right mentality about, you know, look after yourself after away from the away from the training ground. And yeah, it's good to see and good to hear and, and it makes a big connection, you know, those kids who remember that, weren't they, mm. for a couple of years and, and it will help helps the, the club and build that connection with the fans. So that was good. And it's a real shame that he's injured and yeah, speedy recovery to, to Bennett. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Um and then, yeah, in terms of going back to the game, Sunderland, I thought, were pressing and playing quite well. And then, and Sunderland were on it. And then, I don't know, kind of the game, obviously, the football games can go a bit funny sometimes. You know, there's 90 minutes and sometimes it can go just a bit, a little bit strange. And, yeah, I thought we probably ended the half the better side. I thought For Sunderland sure. started getting a bit sloppy with their passing. Some passes went out. So those switches weren't working. They went out for a throw-in. They were not really finding their man. It was a bit strange. Um, and then, yeah, Salop nearly scored on a counter-attack, um, but Bowman was offside after Nurse played him in. And then he had an opportunity to score again. And I think the second one, I think he really, I think he'll rue that missed, missed opportunity. A second chance, um, I think he could have done better. Both big chances, to be fair. I don't know why Nurse didn't shoot instead of trying to play Bowman in um, for the first one. He's sort of centre of the goal. Um, just have a crack. You might get a deflection and wrong foot the keeper. Um, Bowman's always offside in that situation, so <laughs> it's, it's normally always worth just not passing it to Bowman because he, he does tend to go a little early sometimes, isn't he? But that was our, and then and then yeah, the second chance, I think he would have rude it. But I, I agree with you in terms of the general play. I, I can't ever watch that game. I can't really figure out why Sunderland just got so poor. They they suddenly stopped working as hard. Um, they became a little bit static and easier for us to play through. And I think then, I don't know what it was, there was almost like a nervousness come over them. You know, maybe that fast start and how well it had gone. And suddenly after sort of 20 minutes of not quite being able to break us down at will like they had done before, maybe just unsettled them a bit. And they, they really were a Marmite team in this game, to be honest with you, um, as we ended that first half, the last 10 minutes, and obviously came came out second half, and it was pretty much the same. It was it was very odd. There didn't seem to be any tactical tweaks or changes that really affected the flow of the game. It was just, it was just one of those momentum things, I think, really. Yeah, they seemed a bit sloppy. We kind of got a little bit of momentum and we probably ended the half the better side. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure, yeah. But we didn't, uh, unfortunately, take away those chances through Bowman um, and, yeah, got into half-time 2 all down. Um, you know, thinking if we could get one back, there was a chance after that first half. But um, certainly, yeah, 2 nil down at half-time wasn't the best place to be. No, it wasn't. And, um, yeah, you didn't really see. Um, we were obviously pleased to get to half-time, not conceded again. That's how poor yeah. we were in that first spell. Um, and then second half, um, yeah, we was 
yeah, and we started all right, really. And, yep. and I yep. thought, well, you know, we were definitely going to give it a go. Didn't expect us to to just kind of mount a comeback 50 minutes in and the build up. Bit of a contentious um, discussion point, which is quite interesting. <laughs> where um, so Wright and Bowman had kind of been at them at each other all these get often. You know, Bowman seems to be a defender, kind of you know puts his body about. Sorry, a striker puts his body about. But yeah. then Sometimes there seems to be a defender that seems to kind of react against Wigan. There was a similar kind of um, antics. So there's a bit of a contentious topic or just discussion point. Shoot kind of attacking um, Wright. They basically goes for a header. Um, the ball kind of goes over Wright and Bowman and then Wright looks back and then decides to body check him. So he body checks him and blocks Bowman's <laughs> chance so he can't run forward. And then because then they tangle and Bowman kind of trips up um, Wright and then they're kind of both on the ground. And it's, it's really quite hilarious that Sunderland fans don't seem to have the ability or the mental capacity to see the first foul. They can only see the second foul. Yeah. So it's really interesting. Um, so obviously, you know, um, last week there was um, Kevin who came on um, from the crowd and was the fourth official. Yeah. So I, I did actually tweet him um, today to get his opinion on this. And he thought that this was a bit of a, you know, one of those things where, you know, what do you call it? 60, you know, six, I can't think of what, what's the phrase you call it, Glenn? Six or one half a dozen either. Yeah, that's it. And he says, you know, the kind of referee probably saw it and just they were both kind of tangling each other, canceling each other out. So we just kind of play on. And then obviously Nurse gets the ball, puts it into Velo, who puts the ball into the back of the net and a, a really, really good goal from the Velo point of view. And also I thought it was quite funny. I don't know why he did this. He started giving giving a bit to the Sunderland crowd. <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was. I like to see that. Give, give him a bit back. Maybe he was getting some abuse. I don't know. I, don't, I can't think of any real connections why they would hate him. He didn't play for Newcastle, did he? But I don't know. Maybe scored some goals against them for Bolton or something we're not aware of, Ollie. We'd have to should have checked that out, really. But yeah, I, going back to the controversial moment, the reason it's controversial is it. You know, when the ball's cut back to Vela, it's probably one of the places he's, he's very unmarked for where he is in the box, isn't he? Or just on the edge of the box. And you know, maybe Wright would have been in there and would have been another body in front of him. It would have been a harder chance. But you know, there we go. That was that was what happened off the ball with Bowman was was pretty funny, and um, we we kind of helped helped it to our advantage. And it's a decent little finish from Vela, isn't it? He doesn't doesn't get enough goals at the moment, does he? He's been struggling to score goals this season, particularly compared to last. So nice to see him get another one um, this season and, and um, contribute in that more attacking position in terms of uh, goals and assists, really. But um, yeah, decent finish, I thought. Yeah, no, it's a good finish, and let like you say, yeah, shame he doesn't do that a little bit more often. And yeah, at this point, I thought, yeah, I thought the Sunderland crowd got a little bit edgy. Defo. And I was saying in the first half, in, in that they sort of rode the wave of their positivity in that opening spell. I think from the first goal we got and the way they'd been playing, end of that half up to our first goal, and, and we'll get towards our second goal, they got on their back, to be honest with you. They started booing the, the misplaced passes and, and sort of jeering it. They didn't like it when they played it back to the defence to, to kind of take the sting out of the game at times. They got really edgy and, and you know, it was one of those games where I think, you know, they probably helped their team in the first half and then, you know, maybe underpin, under undermined them a little bit in this second half as, um, as time went on. And then towards the end, they got right behind them and they scored the winner so yeah it does show doesn't it a 30,000 crowd it, it can have a it can definitely have an impact on the way players play and um, it seemed there was sort of it was in waves at this game but yeah they definitely got agitated and for Shrewsbury Town players at that point you you probably do pick up on that sort of general you know noise that's being made and think oh we've we've got the crowd on their back here that's a positive for us and it you know maybe gives you an extra percentage doesn't it so um yeah lots, lots of things to do with the crowd I thought in terms of affecting the match and it does impact the players doesn't it the, yep. you know people say oh they should be professionals they should but it doesn't it definitely change the atmosphere of the game and and I thought actually it made our our the second goal even more likely because we were putting yep. pressure on them we won a corner really good um outswinger from Leahy 
Really good header from Pennington, forcing a save from the goalkeeper. And then Flanagan tucks the ball into the back of the net. Um, but big credit, um, you've put here, Glenn's in there for Pennington, yeah. the first header, because it was a really, really good header. A really good header, forced to save, didn't it? And um, yeah, it, it, you know he's been such a danger in the box this season compared to some of our uh, less uh, prolific seasons from corners, I suppose. And um, yeah, he forced a really good save. And it was just lovely to see one of our players score against their old club rather than it being the other way yeah. around, Ollie. And, and it's funny, Sunderland fans are saying, <laughs> oh, former players always score against us. I think it's a thing that fans always think, think, isn't it? Yeah. I've got the stats to back it up but um, yeah it probably does happen at every club you just there's so much trans- transferring and moving between different clubs over the course of someone's career that you're always likely to end up having some of your players score against their old club and vice versa I suppose but um, yeah really nice to see it he, there was a bit of debate as to whether he celebrated Lewis Cox was saying that you know he didn't think he'd celebrated he but, didn't celebrate you know, he, he claps his, rubs his hands together and then gives a bit of a fist pump to me that's a celebration if you just go mm. no 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 and hands up he, he that's a no celebration down. He ah, puts his hands I down. I don't think it's a celebration. Not for me. I would say it was a celebration, but there we go. If you if you clap your hands and you do a fist pump, you have enjoyed scoring that goal. And it probably wasn't to get. It definitely wasn't something to get at Sunderland fans. I think it was just that you know you would have a pure joy moment. And I imagine that Flanagan doesn't score many goals, Ollie. So um, I would think it would be incredibly hard for him to not celebrate. But yeah, there we go. He was he was respectful of Sunderland's fans in his time there. That's for sure. But um, yeah, it was a good goal, good moment, and um, yeah, back to two two from from nothing all of a sudden. And it was like bloody hell, mate. Game on here. On it, yeah, and then unfortunately, they made a number of changes, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those funny halves. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you know, me, Glenn, I like to look at like you know, look at some like websites to help with some data or look at numbers or and sofa score do this momentum thing about like chances and kind of entries into the into the box. Right. And um, I thought that we actually kind of dominated the the first sorry, the second half. Um, in reality, we didn't at all. Um, they actually had a lot, a lot of play in that second half. Um, we had that spell, you know, basically at the start of the half. But after that, they really, really dominated the half. And you said at the start that, you know, we were a bit unlucky um, to kind of to not draw the game. I'm not sure in terms of just looking at it from a statistical point of view, they yeah, really did yeah. dominate that game. And I know there's like, there's an emotion to a game and there's like, a, that. that's what you're saying, you know, there's an emotion and kind of a, a flow to a game. But in the mm. second half, they had 12 shots um, to our four um, they yeah. actually had twice as many shots in the second half as they did the first half when we said they had a good first half. Yeah. So yeah, it was one of those funny ones where like kind of the numbers make you rethink kind of what actually happened. And um, yeah, and, and they basically they brought on some quality players, something that we just can't do. Um, and we were it was unlucky in the end to concede that goal, and we had yeah. to take off a few players. I don't know. We went to we went to um, kind of five four one, didn't we? Glenn made a few changes. Yeah, I think the the main one is where you reach that point where. You, you you sacrifice a dough and bring on Pierre just to try and shore it up at the back and um you know that that's always it's always a mark of the fans to think maybe okay we're going for a point you would have took a point at Sunderland having been two 0 down um but it does invite pressure on doesn't it let's be honest we've seen it happen so many times as Shrewsbury Town fans and I'm sure fans of other clubs see it quite a lot it you know you can be bitten on the arse settling for the point uh, a lot of the time and uh, you know. <sighs> I still don't think that was. I still don't think putting a Pierre on for a dough is why we got got done in the end. To be honest with you, but it just it's again it's one of those momentum changes and it just gives the the attacking team a little bit more sort of um, you know a, a, a more of a chance to go for it. And, and you know we we stood pretty firm, didn't we, for most of that spell at the end? And 
they had a lot of shots, but it wasn't until the last minute of the game when they hit the crossbar after that amazing save by Morosi. He was going the wrong way, wasn't he? Kind of got wrong-footed and still yeah. managed to make an amazing save. And then it was up and onto the bar. That was a mad little moment. And then obviously an injury time. I thought, you know, I thought we defended really manfully up until those last couple of minutes, really. So that's why I say it's unlucky. You get to 93 minutes of a 94-minute game and you concede in, in the last minute of the game. It's unlucky, isn't it? But I, I can understand what you're saying. You know, they on the balance of the game, they probably deserve to win it. I would don't, wouldn't disagree with that, but it's still unlucky the way it happened. Yeah, it's unlucky how the course of event came, and it was a, a good ball into the box. It was right between Flanagan and Pierre. Um, there yep. was a bit of discussion. I can't remember where it was. It was on Twitter or WhatsApp or whatever. But having some discussion about who was at fault, and I think for me, I think it's just a really good ball in between Pierre and Flanagan. Um, it's, neither of them can really get to it. Um, and it's a good goal again from, from a Southern perspective. Yeah, you would have just wished that one of them went with the ball and one of them went, sorry, to attack the ball and one of them went with the mark, with the player and they both went it, with the player. And no both, one... Yeah, but to make that yeah. decision, it's, I, I, I'm happy to give blame where I think there's blame. I, I, I find it hard to give too much on this one. I think it's a, a good ball and an unfortunate moment. Yeah, and they've very rarely played with each other, have they, Flanagan and Pierre? So there's a little bit of a mis- you know miscommunication maybe on what, what their roles were in that situation. I'm sure they run through it in training every day, but um, you know it's, it's one of those moments. It was a bit weird because Morosi came miles of his line. He doesn't normally do that either, does he? And you know if he had maybe stayed at home, he might have actually made the save. So you know just a couple of kind of maybe decisions that could have gone a bit better, but nothing that you can really point your finger at specifically um, or, or too harshly, I suppose. It was just um, you know I think Cottrell keeps saying this week, doesn't he? It's not the kind of goal we normally concede, and that's probably a fair fair description of that goal isn't it yeah fair restriction over the whole obviously of the course of the whole season oh we <laughs> it's, it's a there's a theme this week um, which will come on to in the Doncaster game mm. um but yeah I don't think there's too much else to say there on Sunderland um I think it's really good I think it's a really good observation about the crowd I hadn't really noticed it too much but you're right Glenn I think I think it's something that maybe fans and obviously it's very hard to collectively kind of go out there with positive intent but we saw two sides of Sunderland didn't we we saw the side that was absolutely fantastic pinging the ball around good movement you know we couldn't really live with them and then we saw the Sunderland that um, collapsed you know their wage bill is is significantly bigger than Shrewsbury's they've got a lot more players <laughs> and they defer, they've got more quality players yeah and but then the mentality piece you know you, you, you know you don't get a club of side of Sunderland getting into league one with this, this fundamental issues with the club mm. and yeah we saw the kind of the the almost the Sunderland we've seen in League One where you've never really impressed us, have they? You know, there's never been a game where we go, bloody hell, Sunderland are good. Like, no way near the M- MK Dom's performance you saw a few weeks ago. This is the first time really we saw any genuine quality from them. And then, yeah, their fans didn't help. Obviously, it's, it's hard you know, it's hard not to react like they did because the, you know, they were kind of losing the momentum. But mm. yeah, it's it, it didn't help their players, I don't think. It didn't in that spell, but I would say at the end they came back with them. They they kind of got behind their their mad run yeah, to win the did. game, and and it was a bit of a crescendo of noise when they scored. So yeah, it's it's in, it was an interesting one listening to the crowd. Obviously we weren't there, so um, we're going off what it sounded like an eye follow, I suppose. But um, I would doubt it was very different being there on the day. But yeah, I've never really been impressed with Sunderland in any of the games we played. And obviously we went up there and drew one one, didn't we? And when you talk about the, scored, we're talking about the, just to be really clear, we're talking about the team, aren't we? Not the club or their fans. We're no, no, but I mean 11, in all the yeah. yeah. In all the times we played them so far in League One, they've never been that they've never been that much stronger than us. You know that you would think that they were going to walk the league in every season. We've always given them a game, haven't we? And even in this one, you know, it's only three two. It's been it's been a pretty tight game. So yeah, who knows what they'll do? They've got to be a team that you'd probably would fancy to do decent decent in the playoffs. But um, there's a lot of good teams in this in the league as we've been saying all season, and then they'll have, they'll certainly have some tough games to to go through to get back up. So yeah, that, that, that's Sunderland really, I suppose. In terms of us, um, you know, there were some good performances, weren't there, Ollie? Um, go on, run us through your top three. Yeah, for this one it was, yeah, I went for for Leahy, 
I thought they had a really good game. Yeah. Um, playing playing at centre back and being a good attacking outlet for us as well. I thought Nurse had a pretty solid game again. And then yeah, I went for Morosi because he pulled off some fantastic saves in this game, and um, yeah, it could have been worse about him. Yeah, I went for Leahy as well, which might just about secure him the Santa Cast Player of the Season award with a few games to go, Ollie, because he was already leading, and another couple of uh, a couple of wins probably will help him. We'll have to see how the the, the Charlton game and um, the, the Wigan game go, but yeah, Leahy for me, um, he's an outstanding player. He's played so well in two very different positions this season, been so adaptable, but um, again showed that he could easily sit back there in and 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 do really well. I know they conceded three goals, but he, he wasn't really to blame for any of them, and he was he was just good coming out from the back and, and solid on everything he did really. So um, yeah, Leahy. For me Flanagan I went for um, in, in the second rather than Nurse just because he scored a really good goal against his old club one of those moments it must have been very difficult for him to go back there you know maybe feeling like he had a point to prove or maybe playing with a bit more pressure than most of the rest of the lads did and so to play as well as he did um, and score that goal would have been would have been really good I thought he played played well um, and I went for Morosi third as well same as you he, he once again did his usual thing of even when he casines goals he makes a number of other saves that would have made it an horrific scoreline so um, yeah gave him my third place Great, so yeah, that was good. So um, yeah, we're going to keep this one a bit short on the cultural comments because there's a lot to discuss in the next game. Um, so yeah, he said we said we made a slight change at half time. I couldn't quite figure out what it was, but um, I'll obviously I trust the manager. He's, he's, you know, when it comes to this, he's normally quite a good strength of his. Um, mm. Basically, came back into the game. We were really good in the second half, and I'm so disappointed for the lads because they've given so much in that game, and we've got a long journey home with no points. Um, so that's disappointing. Um, and yes, yeah, so at the end of the day, we created enough chances to score at least another goal. Another goal is difficult, but when you get back to 2-2, 30,000 fans or so can drive them on, as you said, Glenn, and they did drive them on, didn't they? Um, It's difficult for the opposition when when you come into that. And yeah, the fans played their part in the second half and getting there, helping their team keep going and and get that that three um, important points for them as they go for their promotion, promotion hunt. Oh, well, there we go. And so, yeah, we'll move on uh, after that disappointment of Easter. We all ate a load of chocolate eggs, I'm sure, on Easter Sunday, Ollie. Um, Well, I did. I don't know about you. Um, But yeah, um, we... <laughs> yeah, your lad's not old enough that you can steal all his chocolate eggs yet, Ollie. But I've got you know kids in the preteen era, and they got loads of chocolate eggs, so I can sneak a load of it without them noticing. Um, hopefully they don't listen to this. Um, but yeah, so uh, yeah, we 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 did that. I'm sure everybody else did, and um, yeah, we were on to Easter Monday then with uh, a return to shoot at home in the sun. Godfrey forward to the feet of Nolan to Nahua. Nahua, can he get the shot in here? On he goes. Nahua does shoot, and he scores. He's won it. Arthur Nahua off the bench in stoppage time. Shrewsbury Town 3, Doncaster 3 on a Monday. Um, and for, obviously, everyone knows for Easter. Um, goals from Shrewsbury, um, Adoe in 19 minutes, and Bowman 34 minutes, and Wally um, at 42 minutes. And then, of course, Rovers scored all their goals in the second half 54 minutes, oh, 77 God. minutes, and 94 minutes. Quite nicely spaced out, actually, in some ways. Um, and also, this, was, uh, this game was um, designated a her game 2 um, game. Um, and mm. if. You know, there's a lot of I see. I did have just have a quick glance just to see what kind of comments that people were making, um, and most of them are positive. Um, I didn't really see anything that was yep. negative. I can imagine some people, blokes, would go, "Well, when's our game?" Well, our game's every other game, mate. Um, you know, <laughs> it's a very much a male-dominated, um, you know, sport in terms of the crowd and the atmosphere. Um, and uh, yeah, I think I think it's a good campaign. You know, the more future town fans that go to the game. Um, that's great for the club and the community. Um, and if girls feel more um, secure and safe, um, and it's it's a great environment, I think that can only be a good thing. Shrewsbury Town is a very very fran- friendly, friendly, yeah? family friendly environment, isn't it, Glenn? It's not it's not a toxic environment, but anything that can be done. So Lauren, uh, who's been on the podcast, is now the yeah, her game two ambassador for the club. 
Um, and it'd be great to see what, what Lauren can do to kind of um, yeah, support the team and support, um, support the club um, in her new role. Yeah, we'll get Laura on at some point to talk about that. Maybe one of the things we can do in the summer yeah. um, as we're catching up with different people. But um, yeah, for me, for the Her Game 2 thing is, is great. I mean, I've obviously talked about the fact that you talk about it being a family environment, a community environment. Not anyone since this podcast before will know that a lot of the reason I support Shoes and I'm sure it's the same for lots of our fans, is that family connection. It doesn't just be have to be lads and dads. You know, my mum has always gone to football. She constantly, you know, comes every week. She's there on Saturday. And my now my 12-year-old daughter has come in. And, you know, it was great for my daughter particularly on, on the Her Game 2 thing. Thing to see the Shrewsbury Town women parade in their championship trophy around at half time, you know, sort of, you know, congratulations to them. We should say, Ollie, that, you know, there was some, some team within the Shrewsbury Town infrastructure that actually won their league and got promoted. So well done to them. And, and you know, all sorts of things that were going on on Saturday that was kind of, um, you know, aimed at making it more inclusive. And, it, and it, it kind of brings me to the next thing, really, which is how, you know, the whole reason that things like this are really good is, yes, it's good for a social inclusion and all that sort of thing. But for a football club deep down, there is a there is a numbers game here. You know, you, in, you encourage the other you know the other sex you encourage the, the females of the of the species to come to football you can get your attendances up and and we had another um attendance of 6000 plus on Saturday Ollie um and there was only 200 odd of them from um Doncaster and again it was one of the top 25 attendances for pure Shrewsbury Town fans that we've had at the New Meadow since we moved there and and six of them have happened in the top 25 this season alone and so you know by reaching out Excuse my Sky News alert, everybody. Um, but by reaching out to you know other fans that you traditionally haven't been trying to encourage to come to the games, it's it's good for our bottom line. It's good for our football club to be making more money, and it's probably one of the reasons I think that this season we now will likely um, have a higher average attendance than we did pre-COVID, which. I honestly could not see happening, Ollie. I thought we would have lost so many fans through finding other things to do, um, and for the club to have kind of used her game too and other sort of social, you know, things that they do as a football club through the community team to keep increasing the amount of people coming through our doors is credit to everybody at the football club, from you know Brian, the chairman, and the community team. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it's just a, a small part really of a, of a much wider process of trying to find more and more fans to come through the door, Ollie. And, and I think I'm, I'm all for it, mate. Yeah, definitely. I think the voucher thing probably helps well, didn't it? And the way that the the, the club the fans know that they contribute obviously to the run in the club and we you know, we don't waste our money and you know, we're not gonna we don't go into debt and you know, we're we're well run. I think it all kind of all contributes together. But yeah, it's a good thing. Hopefully I, you can t- I'm sure it continue or grow. It's only in its first year. So obviously yeah. it's something that can build. So yeah, it's it's really positive. We just wanted to take some time to, to call it out and um yeah, it's I think it's up for us as well, Glenn. We've never mentioned the podcast, but I think for us to try and get more female guests on as well, if you're a female guest and you want to come on the podcast. Yeah. More, more the merrier. Um, we definitely want to um, have more different people, and and that's why yeah, having having guests on and different opinions is one of the reasons why we do the pod. So yeah, please get in touch. Yeah, we've had we've had over hundred different guests on over the years now, which is good. Different voices, but not so, um, females yeah. every week. So no, something we want no. to try and improve. Yeah, drop us a line to Twitter or, or um, through the, the email that's on the on the um, on the SoundCloud account, isn't there? That's an email for the Salopcast. So yeah, yeah. you know, anyone who wants to contact us, let us know. But the other thing I was just going to say about attendances, Ollie, and my daughter was at a sleepover on uh, on the night before the Shrewsbury game. She obviously got picked up and then came to the match later on. But it's funny enough, she she went to sleepover and someone that lives up on this new on the new Otley Road development. Um, I think I can't remember what the street's called now, but you go up to where the new Percy Throws is, and there's like a new street along there, which is the one that's going to eventually lead back round to the road that's by the stadium that they've just built there are so many houses up there Ollie I was I was staggered how many houses they fitted into this area and I think you know part of that might be that you've got a, a, another 
I don't know, with all those houses added up, maybe another 1,000, 2,000 people living within a 5-10 minute walk of the stadium. I do think that there is definitely scope to continue to grow our attendances in the next few years if you can reach out to the people that are moving into those houses. So I, I do think the club's ended up in a good position to kind of continue to grow a little bit as long as um, the football's not turgid and we don't get relegated and you know usually take a hit from that. It's another thing just to factor in really is, is that amount of latent people living around now that weren't there 10 years ago. Yeah, and probably moved into the area as well. Um, so yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Maybe it's something they can, yeah, encourage encourage to get a few more um, people down to the ground. So that's all all good. Um, any other stats worth talking about? Yeah, but away from it. It's quite a few stats actually. Um, one of the key ones was, and someone asked this question so last night, and I had to go and look into it, but. It's very rare for a football team to blow a 3-0 lead. You know, you don't watch many games of football on TV, do you, where someone's 3-0 up and they eventually end up drawing or losing it. It just it just doesn't happen. And so I assumed it hadn't happened for a long time for Shrewsbury Town and I thought I'll have to go and have a look at when that was. And I've done a good lot of research today and I'm happy to be corrected because, um, you know, I spent a long time doing this, but you're relying on breathe on them salop and sometimes the descriptions or the goals um, in terms of what order they were scored in are not clear. But it seems to me the last time that we blew a three-goal lead, not a 3 lead but a three goal lead Ollie was March the 9th 1957 where we went into the last 15 minutes at home to Norwich um, we were 4-1 up and um, we somehow lost 5-4 in that game in the 50s um, but it does show you you know to, to have blown the game like we did it is an incredibly rare thing um, and and quite staggering to be honest with you that it happened so um, you did witness something on Saturday it doesn't happen very often Ollie. So that's, that's, the, that's the solace that people can take from that is that they witnessed a historic event. <laughs> History. <laughs> yeah, it's not history much solace, is it? In an yeah, absolutely history. embarrassing, abject second half performance. <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, I did mention this a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, in terms of our League One seasons in recent recent years, since we first came back up to League One, um, Steve Cottrell's now managed the joint longest amount of games, basically, at the football club. So he's now equaled the total Paul Hurst had, 77 games um, when he left and went off to Ipswich. So, yeah, obviously, next game um, against Charlton, um, he will be the longest-serving League One manager we had, which is pretty impressive, um, to be honest with you. But what's less impressive, Ollie, is I'm starting to worry about this season statistically being worse than last year, which seems odd. And, and I keep feeling like we've been doing better and we maybe are a better team, but we still need four points in the last two games just to equal the points total we had last season, which I would say looks a little bit unlikely now. And we still need three points to match the points total we had in 2018-19, which was that first sort of season we had Stan Ricketts when he took over after um, after Asky had messed up. Yeah, so... You know, to, to still need three points to match the, the, the ASCII Ricketts season and, and four to match last season does give you a little bit of context as to how much ground we were trying to make up and, and maybe we won't make up, to be honest with you. It's two tough games to finish the season with. Yeah, we've said it a few times, but we haven't, we haven't said it a lot. You know, this is a special division where this year where we've got some exceptionally poor sides and we saw obviously Doncaster in the first half showing us why they're yep. in the relegation zone. and. And you know, some people, some people have commented saying, you know, you guys have been negative, blah blah blah. But that kind of stat backs up why we're frustrated. Yeah. Why we've got a small squad, we haven't scored many goals, and we haven't won that many games. Um, and nope. the stats point it out. You know, everyone was, you know, a season where you sack a manager um, to then potentially not kind of get more points. That's not real progress, is it? No, you know, unless we get a win out one of these last two games, you can't really say there's been. 
that much progress in terms of your, your league performance. Maybe there's things to be pointed out, like we maybe have a stronger squad going into next year, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I could get behind that, but yeah, you know, the, the point is, if we don't win, so if we lost the, both of these last two games, um, which is you know likely away at Charlton, home to a team going for promotion, um, then it'll be the second worst League One season we've had, only only worse by the relegation season um, under under Graham Turner. So really interesting one to watch out for, and I'll update that when we get to the end of the season. You do have in to. Terms the of, only the only caveat you do have to take is obviously League One is a little bit different this year compared to some other reasons where you've got a lot of big teams with big budgets um, and you've got a lot of teams getting loads and loads of points so that's the thing that's the only caveat you have to add just for like for like comparisons it doesn't mean the stats isn't valid and you can't discuss it I think it's just worth just maybe just in terms of context there's a lot of teams in this division spending a lot of money um, so it's yeah maybe it's a bit hard to get points this year It'd be interesting to see who was in the league those seasons. I remember, you know, we've had Sheffield United down, haven't we, and all sorts of teams. I don't think like we've had as, as many, seasons. though. Not as many. Wolves and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd go and have a look. I'll give you. I'll have a look into that, Ollie, and come back with you. Um, And just a couple of last ones, really. In terms of, you know, this week losing points in the last 10 minutes and injury time, Um, this season we've thrown nine points away from that situation, and they've all happened since December. Um, So, yeah, home to Doncaster, we threw two away. Sunderland away, one. Oxford at home, two points thrown away. Portsmouth at home, two points thrown away. Bolton away. Uh, Bolton at home, sorry, was the one point in that last minute um, equaliser, and then, uh, sorry, winner, and then Wigan away as well, um, which was in December. So, yeah, since since December, we've actually thrown nine points away. You look at the league table, where would those nine points have had us? We'd have been miles up the table, wouldn't we? So, yeah, um, just kind of puts a bit of context, really, on, on the on the struggles this week and those those, those last minute and, and sort of loss, losses and draws we've had. And in terms of goals, Ollie, I've got a question for you. So, Ado's now up to 16 after this game. Which matches the the Okinabiri season that we've we've often talked about. Um, interestingly, Ollie, I was coming out of the the through the concourse at half time, going out to meet some of my mates and have a chat at the back like we normally do. And uh, a man collared me and said, "Why did you always mention the Okinabiri season when he scored sixteen goals? You know, you got to remember he scored six of those in the in the Checker Trade Trophy. You know, they don't they don't really count sort of thing." And I said, do "You know what? It's a fair point, and I'll mention it now because it does up to six goals, uh, sixteen goals as well." So. If you look at the comparison of those two seasons, Ollie, in 18-19, when, when Faye did score those 16 goals, he got 10 in the league and 6 in the Cups, and they were all in the in the, the Checker Trade Trophy. Whereas Ado this season's got 13 in the league and only 3 in the Cups. Um, I think one of them was in the FA Cup. Um, so, uh, you know, you would I would say now, I don't know if you agree, Ollie, that Ado's output and contribution goals-wise this season probably overshines the, the 16 goals that Faye got just about because he got 3 more of them in the league, which are essentially harder, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. I think Ado's probably had a better season than Faye that, that, that in that one year. He yep. contributes more, um, I think, in terms of off the ball as well. You know, he's a real real handful when he's on his game. And yeah, I think he's, he's done really well. And yeah, you know, he hasn't scored, you know, the 23 goals that Stockton has scored or the 22 goals that Ross Stewart has scored for Sunderland. Um, yep. But he's still scored a good number. I think it puts him about 13th um, top goal scorer in the division. Yep. Um, so he's you know he scored a good number of goals, um, and yeah, he's he's done really well, and it's it's a remarkable turnaround. And uh, yeah, in the Doncaster game, I thought um, Ado was really good in his link-up play and his movement and stuff yep. as well. Um, so he's not only improved his goal scoring, he's he's improved his all-round game. Yeah, they were different kind of players, weren't they, Faye and Ado, To be fair, yeah, but very different. yeah, there you go. I think I think it's always good to reflect our listeners' feedback at the game. So um, there you go, we've done that. And, and you got to remember, Bowman's now up to thirteen, and he's also scored ten in the league. And we don't often get people scoring ten in the league. So lots to lots to be positive about in, in front of those front two. And I should also say on Faye Ollie that you know, I mentioned this about four or five weeks ago, but you know he only needs one more goal to only be behind Holt and Collins in terms of top league goal scorers um, since we moved to the new meadow. So you know lots of things for him to be positive about and, and kind of climbing up those those rankings really. So. 
there we go. That's all the stats, Ollie. It was lots to cover because um, yeah, it was it was lots of interesting things happening with this game, especially with the three three. But go on, tell us the team that was uh, Jacqueline Hyde in this game, Ollie. Yeah, so um, the team, um, so we made one change and come to this game. We had Daniel Steiner at right wing back in replacing um, the injured Bennett. Um, so that was um, a change that, yeah, I guess was probably forced and probably the, 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 the only option we really had. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, Ollie. Uh, you know, we're not going to see Pierre. That's pretty clear now. So Daniels is the op- option there, isn't he now? So, um, yeah, that's all, we, all we're really going to see, I think, for these next few games. Yeah, you'd have to do a bit of a reshuffle or change formation potentially. And play someone else out of position, but there's no, never been any cover, and we've been quite lucky, really, that Bennett, um, in his thirties, obviously keeps himself in good trim, but um, yeah, yep. has, has managed to play so many games. And then I'll, I'll say, Glenn, this game started quite strange, and for me, the whole kind of first twenty minutes or so, or even the first half, and maybe even the game in general, it felt like a bit of a weird atmosphere kind of feel to it. In some ways, it felt a bit like a pre-season friendly, the way the I don't know the pace of the game and the way it was kind of. I don't know, quite backward and forwards. And I thought it was also quite interesting that the ref just wasn't given any fouls. I'm not saying he was being biased. He just wasn't given any fouls, even for things I thought were, were clear fouls. Yeah, I felt a vibe in the crowd that we, sh- we should win this, particularly yeah. obviously after we scored the first goal, they looked abject. Um, so there was a kind of that vibe to it. The referee, yeah, he didn't give too much. I thought he was a little bit favouritism to us across the whole piece, to be honest with you, when there was free kicks and fouls to be get- given. But, um, you know, it wasn't wasn't an unfair kind of advantage, I don't think. But, um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. It was a bit of a kind of... I don't think the fans were on the beach because there was 6,000 of us there and the noise was pretty good, I thought. But um, it definitely felt like... They they couldn't really stay up, could they? They obviously only bought two hundred fans. They they've all the Doncaster fans must have given up, mustn't they? Because they must think there's absolutely no chance they could stay up. They needed to beat us to have a mathematical chance, I suppose. Um, even with the point, they like need a fifteen goal swing, don't they? In the last two games, and the fact only two hundred eighty three of them turned up did indicate to me that maybe the life has come out of Doncaster's um, fans. And the opening first half made me feel like the life had come out of Doncaster's players, but um, that was only in the first half, Ollie. And in the first half, they were poor. Probably the, sh- the worst team we'd seen all season. <laughs> oh, worse than Morecambe. And we beat them 5-0. Yeah. They, were, they were the worst team I've seen over a 45-minute period, which is why this result is even more frustrating. Because we should have battered them. There's absolutely no doubt about this. It should not have been a 3-3 game. They were absolutely terrible in the first half. They couldn't pass. They didn't press. They had no energy. Um, they didn't get around. They were defensively shocking. Rashawn Williams... I feel quite bad for him. You know, he was a pacey centre-back, wasn't he? That was what he made his living from. He he was getting outpaced by Bowman. And, and Adele, obviously, is quicker than him. He looked like he was towing a caravan. He looked like he just had enough of the season. And every single one of them looked lost. The, the left-back was... Was it left-back or right-back? I can't remember. The one on the other side, right-back was. He was particularly shocking. He got ripped to pieces every time we went forward. And it was... I wasn't surprised when we were freeing up at half-time. I thought it could have been more, it should have been more, and it should have been more in the second half. It was it was staggeringly how bad they were in the first half, Ollie, and, and we absolutely comprehensively beat them. And we played well. We shouldn't take that away from the town players, but I, I do think that they were they were one of the worst teams I've seen in a long time in terms of that first half. Yeah, we, we played well. Um, we created you know a number of chances, but we didn't create a glutton of chances, did we? We couldn't, like, you no. know, in, terms of, in terms of relative to how poor they were. Um, in terms of, we'll go through the first half quite quickly, really, because I think it's there's not as much to talk about as the second half. First goal, nice build-up from the back. That's one thing we were doing. Obviously, that shows that you know the, the instructions to the players was let's knock it around. Um, that's obviously that's a, a comment, really. I think indirectly on how poor Don, Doncaster are. Nice yeah. build-up play from the back. Super ball forward from Leahy. Uh, Doe just kind of out muscles the defender, kind of tracks the ball. Superb control. 
and then just like strokes into the back of the net. Like it was a very odd goal, wasn't it, Glenn? And if you were a Doncaster fan, you would have been fuming with your defender because he was poor, 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 poor. <laughs> the whole half, they just kept getting lost under the high ball. And we're not exactly a great team with the high ball, are we? With Bowman and uh, Ado up front sometimes. But they did just sort of seem to lose the ball. I don't know what was going on. And yeah, to be fair to Ado, it's really good. The way he brings it down his chest, um, controlled it, didn't he? I think, and then just really, really good finish again from 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 pretty pretty far you know, edge of the box, wasn't it? Again, not too close in. Um, is nice is nice sort of wheelhouse now is the edge of the box, isn't it? So um, yeah, really good finish in the end, and um, that was it. Then they just they were just abject going forward, and um, you know once we got the first, it was a case of who was going to kind of get the next big chance and whether we take it, wasn't it? And it didn't take too long. Yeah, we got an, another goal, so we scored. Um, yeah, after a ninety minutes, then again scored again for thirty four minutes. Yeah, a really nice bit of build-up play here. Um, I thought there was one of the big kind of for me one of the big kind of tactical kind of observations was Wally and and Vela were playing as kind of what I call like free eights, and they really really bombed forward when they had the chance, playing really wide as well. Um, often it was really only really four now kind of in midfield, and Vela and, and Wally were really pushing on, and Vela kind of was playing on the left, ran into that kind of inside channel, um, ball really nice yeah. ball forward to him. He got the ball. Crossed into the box, Bowman came flying in and headed into the ball in the back of the net. And really, really good goal, really nice link bit of link up play. Um, and but unfortunately, Bowman got hurt. So I think maybe he actually headed the back of the the defender and, and injured himself because yeah. he wasn't near the post, which I thought no. maybe was in real time. But yeah, he went down and unfortunately he had to have a bit of treatment. Yeah, I thought on the day he did the post, was just really committed. But either way, if he, he smacked his head into the back of a defender, he it was a very, very good committed header. And the cross is just that quality we don't we've not that quality we've not seen enough from Vela this season. Obviously he was player of the year last year, wasn't he? Because he was producing that quality maybe a little bit more consistently. Um, and obviously this season he's had the injury and then a suspension. But um the the dink on that cross, it just it just makes it so inviting for a player like Bowman, and that's his bread and butter. Bowman, I w- I would always rather him back post heading it than a doe or anyone really, even block blocks him. I think he's really really good at taking those sort of you know what we would have called Grant Holt type chances, Ollie. Um, and it's a really good header, it's a really good cross, and it's just a a, a little bit of quality. Um, again, the defense got lost, didn't they, with the long ball and, and Vela making that run beyond. But um, again, yeah, two two nil, crowd was buzzing, twenty minutes in, twenty five minutes in, wherever it was. Um, you know, just roaring us on to go and get more, and um, yeah, we just kept on top of them. Throat, our foot was on our, their throat, wasn't it? And it was just let's go, let's go, let's go. But yeah, that second goal was probably for me. Um, yeah, me, for me was probably the best goal. I think. Yeah, it was a really nice goal, um, and then the third one was good as well. Um, so this was now like forty-two minutes. Nice bit of tidy build, um, build-up play. Um, Bowman does like a backwards flick to Nurse, who does a really quick cross um, into and Wally's yep. running to the box, and Wally kind of like slides side foot sit across the goalkeeper into the back of the net. A really really yep. nice moment for him, and um, yeah, like the manager said, probably didn't deserve to be three 0 up at half time. Maybe he's right; we didn't create loads and loads of chances, but it's one of those few games where we're clinical, took our chances, um, and it was a very enjoyable first half. Yeah, we did take our chances. I found that comment about post-match. It's probably worth talking about now. He said he didn't think we played. He didn't think we played really well first half, did he, or something like that? He, he said there was things that he wasn't happy with. And the more I think about it, the more I think maybe what he was alluding to was the way we countered Doncaster. Like we had a lot of the ball, and we we kind of had control of the possession, but there were a lot of times when Doncaster did come at us in the first half, and we countered on them. And actually, we were really wasteful. And the same thing second half, we had chances on counters. I I, I think he might have been alluding to how we countered Doncaster. I, I think we made a lot of poor choices. Um, that stopped us going ahead, going ahead four nil, or, or even getting more in the first half. There was a few moments where we counted, and Ado played the wrong pass, or Vela over it, or Lee, whoever it was in midfield, Fauna. You know, it was just it was he played some really nice passes, but 
there was just we could have got more out of it I think and I think that's maybe what he was indicating is that we, we could have got more out of it if we'd have just made the right choice at the right time really I think it was also the fact that he was not happy with the performance at all um, oh right and I don't think he was happy with um, the performance so I don't I think he was probably hesitant to give them praise for anything um, he, the post-match is really interesting um, and he, he's saying how at half time he gave them a bit of a bit of I guess you call them two barrels because he was seeing things that he wasn't happy with and he was felt he said he felt agitated and he mentioned the word agitated mm. quite a lot um, and then it was basically those things that he saw in the first half which then meant that we only conceded three goals in the second half um, and one thing you can't, you he's such a good manager at kind of kind of reading a game. You know, I didn't really notice, but you think about it now, how they scored their goals. There were times that they counterattacked us and there was times they got into our box. Yep. You know, they had four shots. It wasn't great, but they you know, forced they did force a Marusi into a save in the half. Um, you know, they actually had more possession than us, which I thought was quite funny. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I thought there was things he didn't like. So I think that's why he was um, hesitant to give us praise because, um, yeah, he wasn't he was seeing things he wasn't happy with. Interesting, interesting. It's just which is counter to how it was in the stadium. I mean, I've rarely known a town, you know, support so happy. I think the sun and the nature of, the, of how kind of nice it was end of the season, knowing we're safe, knowing you know they're likely to get relegated. You know, it was it was a real, real nice atmosphere at half time, and um, you know, everyone I was talking to was just buzzing, and it was you know, I tweeted at half time three 0 easy as you like. Um, this could be a Morecambe score, should be a Morecambe score, sort of thing. You know, we're going to smash this lot, and that was how everyone felt. You you didn't see anything changing, and because they were just so poor. Um, and yeah, how stupid did I look at the end of the game? It's not the first time this season. But the funniest thing was, I went out the back and talked to my mates. And on the way back in, we were joking, saying, oh, we're going to go back and see some more goals now. And one of my mates, Justin, who was also on the stag party with me, I said, what do you think the final score is going to be then, Justin? And he goes, 3-2. I'd have taken that now, Ollie. Because <laughs> it was 3-3, obviously. So um, yeah, Justin, well, just, even Justin's negativity. <laughs> yeah. What? It could have been 3-2. It, it did go 3-2. If one... Yeah. Yeah, if one player didn't make a certain decision, um, which <laughs> which was unfortunate. Um, but we'll get on to that. Ugh. And um, yeah, um, it was a really funny half. Again, the whole game was weird, wasn't it? So in the kind of flow of this game, we still had chances and we could have scored another goal. Um, easily could have scored a goal. Um, there was basically, uh, we counted after a decent save from Morosi and Wally's pass missed a doe, but came to Nurse, who had a shot goal. And I think that probably deserved it. Um, and then, yeah, we absolutely peed it down, didn't it? Um, at one point in the game. And the, also, the, the, apparently at halftime, I didn't know because I wanted to get the pint myself. Um, and apparently they were watering the pitch load at half time, and everyone was slipping around a little bit, which, yep. which didn't help. Um, and then, yeah, there's I a few scares. I think this is what changed then. the game, Ollie. I, I think that's what changed the game. That rain, the northern rain, it got cold and rainy, and then Doncaster love cold, rainy, you know, <laughs> northern weather in it, and that's there. what inspired really them. That, but um, no, yeah, I'm taking the piss. Obviously, point, then you're obviously just taking the piss. But um, <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, this second half was. Really, really poor. Let's go through the goals quickly. There may be a bit of discussion about like why we folded uh, rather than kind yep. of um, go jump around the houses. Let's just talk about our chances. We did have a few chances, didn't we? Um, so kind of um, there was they nearly scored earlier on. Um, basically, uh, Fornell loses the ball. They tap down a right. Daniels gets done. Cross save from Morosi, and that scramble in the box. If you remember. And we luckily just about to get away. Yeah, Marosi gets to get it into his hand. I don't know how we didn't score then. And we had another opportunity where we countered and Nurse tried to cross the ball into the, into the box and Bowman, the ball didn't get to Bowman and Bowman was absolutely oh. fuming. You could tell he really, so he really be. wants to score some goals. So yeah, I can understand his frustration there. And then we just got 
absolutely started to get absolutely rover running midfield. And I think our positional strengths went all over the place. And then, yeah, we just scored three really poor goals. So, um, first of all, um, there was a, that foul where there was a basically Fanningham gave away a foul. And they had a free kick, put the ball into the box. They won a header, came down, fired at the back of the net. Just poor, poor defending. Didn't win the first ball. Um, poor to give away foul in the first place. And basically no one was in the space to, to score. That kind of thing happens, but it was the kind of consistency that this was happening. The second goal, um, Rovers win a second ball. And they do a 2-1 around Fornau, who doesn't track his man. And the basically guy runs into the box and just scores. Again, not the kind of goal we normally concede. And no. then the third goal... Oh, third goal is so bad. So basically Daniels could have cleared the ball or kicked the ball out. He tried to like kick the ball out, but he kicks it and I don't know what he was doing. It doesn't go anywhere. And it basically is a throw in for, for, for Doncaster. He completely messed up. He's actually on the ground when they start to take the throw in. So he's not even on the pitch. Yep. Doncaster take a quick throw in. Shrewsbury Town are outnumbered in the box. Um, Flanagan doesn't win his header because it's two versus one. And then it's two versus one in the box. And after Leahy makes a block and they put the ball in the back of the net. And yeah, Daniels did make a mistake on there. And um, Leahy went absolutely mental at him um, after the goal. <laughs> so how they get everybody else did as well at the point in time. I think you're right. Where do you start with this half? It's it's. So let's just kind odd. of just have a dissection about... Yeah. What happened, and like as a general discussion, what happened? Why did we fold? You have a kind of like, you share your kind of thoughts, and I'll share mine. Yeah, where, where did we fold? Um, I think we mentally switched off. I think that they thought the job was done and it was going to be as easy as it was, and they weren't really mentally prepared for the battle, even if Cottrell had had a go at them at half time. Um, maybe he had too much of a go at them and demotivated them. You know, they were three nil up, they probably thought they were doing really well, and maybe maybe that didn't help. Um, who's to know quite how the half time team talk went, but certainly we came out in a very different attitude. We didn't work as hard, um, we didn't chase as hard. Maybe that's because we got leggy after two games in a couple of days, and we've got a very small squad, and these lads have played every game for months now. There's maybe that to add into the mix because I certainly think we folded. I certainly think you can look at Cottrell. Um, you know, he had a bench, he had players on it, he doesn't trust any of them. He didn't make a sub, he didn't try to, to kind of mix it up or, or kind of shore things up that way, um, which was odd for me. Um, and I also think he dicked around with tactics too much in that second half. Um, I think we went 3-1 one, one down, then he moved us to a four at the back, didn't he? Um, and then as soon as they got their second, he panicked, shit the bed and put, put Leahy back in defence. So I think there's a lot of things you could say that maybe unsettled the team as well in those last spells. But overall... Um, we just weren't up for it. And, and quite why that is, Ollie, I'd be interested to know what you think that was. Yeah, it's interesting. That's one of the things I was going to come on to, actually, why we weren't up for it. I think there is definitely some merit in the lack of subs. Obviously, we didn't make that many changes, really, in the Sunderland game as well. So maybe mentally nope. they're tired as well. So that's a bit of an excuse for them. I think we got away with it in the first half. And I think that gave us a, a kind of a false sense of an almost maybe entitlement or confidence. Mm. Um and basically, like each goal, there's like kind of fundamental errors, position, paper out of position. I think we really missed Bennett um, being yep. in position as well and his experience. So I think there was there. I think it was individual errors that we've talked on a little bit as well. Um, but I think, you know, we've conceded six goals um, this week. In a week. In a week. We haven't, we haven't, you know, we have gone games and games and weeks, maybe even a month where we haven't conceded like six goals. Yeah, and then we conceded six in two games, and why? Well, is it because it's the end of the season? Is it because some players know they're not staying? Do a yeah. few players not want to get injured? 
Um, I don't think um, without me it's necessarily well maybe it's main name names I don't think Velo's tracking back as hard as he was nope. earlier in the season nope. I don't think Worley is a central fielder so he's kind of he, I don't he's, he had an amazing game it's going to be really hard when we get to top threes because players played mm. well in certain aspects of the game but I think we were players were putting application and effort in when we were attacking but they weren't putting in the kind of effort they needed to track back. I remember Steve Cotter making a great comment about, you know, the, the ability to kind of the how much effort a player is putting into a game is often determined by how hard they track back. And then I think Daniel's playing right wing back. I think I don't think adds balance. I, I, I don't want to criticise the player too much because I don't think he's a right wing back and I think he's been played out of position and he hasn't played yep. very much. So, you know, you can't really criticise a lad who hasn't been playing and then gets played out of position. It, it's tough for him. He's played a lot there recently, Ollie, and he's um, played there a bit. He's had he some good games there. and some bad games. He's never been consistently good, though, has he? He's, he's always no, had things maybe about, talk him. about But his, I agree. Yeah, I'm, I'm always hot. I'm always cautious not to go too hard on Daniels. But you know, when he yeah. did play the ball, he did like two crosses in one period where he um, hit up hit their defender. Most of his passes normally are backwards when he could do. There's a few times where he won a few good tackles, you know, to give some balance. Yep. But I think we had quite a poor team, you know, in key areas. So I think Vela was off form. I think Fornow wasn't really up to his standards as well. He was really good on the ball, mm. but I don't think he was good. He didn't. He only won something like thirty percent of his tackles, which was quite odd for Fornow. Wally have said so. I think the team was weakened in midfield, and we got overrun in midfield. You talked about the tactical change. So yeah, we went to a, a four-four-two diamond, I think, to try and shore the midfield up, but that didn't work. But you can criticise the manager, and everyone's free to have their own opinion. And I'm one to criticise Cottrell. I've done it a lot this season. But I think it was... Lack of subs, clearly Cottrell's fault. But I think actually a lot of this goes on the players. A lot attitude. of this goes on the player, the attitude of the players and the application of the players. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, we were off off the pace. Um, and I think it's fascinating that Steve Cottrell was saying that he was agitated at half-time because he obviously saw some mm. of these signs in the first half. Yeah. I think the, the most interesting for me and probably telling as to... And let's be honest, you know, they got booed off fairly, in my view, as a, as a fan. I think that was an abject performance second half. It's, as I said, historically bad to concede uh, three goals and lose a 3-0 lead. It simply doesn't happen very often in football, and you deserve a little bit of a boo in there. And it's been interesting, you know, we've talked about in the stiffs, and obviously um, they did that podcast a few weeks ago, and they were talking about how, you know, as players, they didn't like it when they got booed because they were like, well, how is that helping? I like Leahy more now because he came out in his post-match interview and said... The fans rightly booed us off. That was unacceptable second half. We let them down. You know, all the sort of things that I would want to hear as a fan to make me feel like that guy bloody cares about our football club and he bloody cares about the performance level. And so it's interesting. It's kind of contradicting, you know, the the In The Stips guys. But to uh, to be fair, I... I, No, no, I don't think he's contradicting The In The Stips guys. It's it's, it's the same topic, but kind of different angles. The The In The Stips are saying, you know, booing your players at half time isn't going to help. Um, and they were kind of almost saying you boo at the end of the game. That's fair enough, but like it doesn't really okay. help the confidence at half time. Um, but I think yeah, I think he was he was fair in his assessment. Just building what he said, he said the second half wasn't a standard of that is that was good enough at this football club. No. And as with players, we have to take huge responsibility to that. So I thought it was quite interesting that he was saying that it, you know what basically the census we came to that it was the players. That was a good interview, that. Well, I particularly yeah. said yeah, the players. I haven't watched it back. I've just basically had to just quickly. Um, obviously, this is a Tuesday, so it's a bit harder for us to kind of pull the podcast together. Um, but yeah, um, I just I haven't watched it yet, but I think I will. 
he's passionate and he just you, he's a sort of bloke as we talked about you know mm. we said about Bo- about Bennett at the start you know I, I believe him he is a proper proper man you know and he, he's a proper guy that will you know say what he feels about our football club and that sort of thing so um just to, just there we go. Um, what's your what was your view on um, what was your view on my comments about Vela not tracking back and also then Worley um, not being a mid central midfielder by trade well. On the on the latter point, you're not telling me anything I never knew before, Ollie. Um, how many times have we had the? No, but I mean, Sean I mean, I'm not, not asking, I'm asking you to just judge whether <laughs> Sean Wally is a midfielder. I'm asking you, no. did think that contributed to the the defensive um, defensive performance? Yeah, it was give and take on it. I don't think put it was Davis overly... into that team. So imagine that yeah. midfield, you'd had Davis and Fornau. I don't think we would have conceded as many goals in that game. No, I think the sub that was crying out for it was Pierre for Wally. And put Pierre in as the third centre back. He, he that is the that one sub and the criticism the manager I can definitely get yeah. on board with. And the Leahy back in centre midfield, you get your you get your pace, you get your hard work, you get your you get your ratting around, you get the things that stop them playing. Um yeah, that was the one. As I say, when we were getting um, overwhelmed towards the end, Wally was useful on those counters. But as I said, I thought we made so many poor choices in those counters, particularly in the last 10, 15 minutes, that it wasn't really worth persisting with. Um and, and you know, maybe that's harsh on Wally, or you could even have took off one of the strikers and left Wally up with a Doe or Bowman. I'm not sure that really would have mattered either way. None of them were really getting any joy second half. But yeah, I think that was the one sub I think a lot of fans were saying, why didn't we do that? And Pierre's gone. We've been saying this for months now, hasn't it? But it's a shame that he's gone in a way that, you know, Cottrell seems to have just almost for he only throws them on when it's really, really desperate. Obviously, enough? Sunderland was an example. Yeah, Pooley put, yeah, put on Twitter he thought this is the manager's stubborn streak coming across again. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So that was frustrating. But overall, there's nothing to be said for that second half other than it was poor. And, and the only other thing I would say on this, Ollie, we're, we're going, going on a bit here about this, this second half, but let's not pretend this isn't the first time it happened this season. One of the consistent things that we'll talk about in the season review, which we're almost getting towards starting to plan, aren't we, Ollie, is about how Shoes Return this season didn't have many performances that were 90 minute performances honestly you know we played what 50 games this season league and cup how many of them could you could you say we truly played well for 90 minutes it, you could probably count it on one Morecambe. hand maybe two i think yeah, maybe not the many game yeah, maybe the morkin game and maybe the gillingham game earlier in the season yeah yeah i'm sure if we looked into it we'd maybe find but another couple more against i think two teams you know, in the relegation zone yeah maybe, maybe from away. a defensive point of view <laughs> like a sheffield wednesday at home um, yeah. Basically, were, but but in terms of being good in attack and defence, yeah, probably only the Morecambe game. And I'm not even necessarily talking about you know scoring goals in both halves and being on top and dominating games. I'm talking about just pure good 90 minute performances. There just haven't been many of them. And so you know, even when we were three 0 up half time, we sh- I shouldn't have got so carried away. Town fans should not get so carried away this season. You know. We should have thought they'll come back into this. And I we normally have a dose of pessimism, but I didn't feel any pessimism on Saturday and look what happened. So, um, yeah, maybe I should return to my pessimistic ways. But, yeah, that was the only thing I really want to say. It's been a consistent problem all season about us not playing the full 90 minutes at a high level. Um, and, unfortunately, this was probably the, the nadir of that problem. Um, to concede three goals and, and lose the 3-0 lead is pretty unforgivable in terms of the performance level. So, um, yeah, this is definitely one of the shit days of the season, Ollie. Yeah, it was poor, poor week, really, in, in, some, in some ways, which could have been... Yeah, so close to being a bit better, but yeah, there's yeah. some themes here that which will be interesting to see if they, if they rear their heads in the next two games. I would also say one thing is that I don't think this, you know, as much as we can talk as we've talked on the podcast, I, I did get a vibe of a lot of people saying, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Um, we're safe. What does it matter? It's the end of the season. You know, f- some fans are already on the beach as well. So I don't think, you know, they're going to come under as much criticism if this had happened in like the middle of one of our bad runs in December, for example. So I don't think it has any long term damage, really. It probably won't even affect us too much no. the rest of the season. But yeah, as I say, historically, re- really bad day at the office, that one. 
Yeah, no, it was. And that this makes it really hard for a top three because yep. I went Sean Worley, Vela and Pennington because of some like good moments. But mm-hmm. like even your top three, Glenn, you could find fault in, in the in the yep. players' performances as well. And I don't know actually I actually I'm gonna take Vela out actually. I'm gonna take Vela <laughs> out, I'm gonna change it live. I'm gonna go for Bowman. Oh my god. Second. What's happening? Yeah, so I'm gonna go Worley, Bowman, Pennington. <laughs> Um, because there you go. Yeah, on the hoof editing of our of our top threes. There, there you go. I'll stick with mine, Ollie, and I'll give some reasons why. I meant for four in a man of the match. I thought he was really, really good first half, and was one of the best players in that half. And again, you know, the the fact that he was showing some really nice silky touches. There was a moment where he did a kind of little bit of juggling. He was really good. But second half, I could not have given him more than four out of ten. So it's, it's one then, of them. Ollie. But then and, sometimes you, know, you have to. No, you have to always look at this two ways, don't you? Like, so why yep. was he having a poor performance? And yep. I didn't have him in my top three because I thought he didn't have a great down the ball. He was really good. Defensively, he wasn't so good. But then he would probably argue, or maybe he was one of his friends or something who was watching the game would argue, that he had no support and he wasn't being backed up. No. And that's why um, he was struggling a bit. He got hung out to dry a little bit second half, I think, with Wally not maybe doing as much as you would have hoped for and, and some of the Vela stuff. But he, he didn't stop working, Fauna. That's the one thing I'll give him credit for. He worked hard the whole game. And similar to why I picked the next two, Morosi made some really good saves in the game that stopped us probably losing it at, at the time. Um, but overall, over the course of the game, what he needed to do, he did well, considering he conceded three. You couldn't, again, really blame him too much for that. And Bowman, I picked for, for the commitment for the goal and, and his overall commitment during the game. Of the front three, I think he was the one that was still working his ass up at the end and was showing passion you know when he was punching the ground after that nurse pass um you know i think i felt like he was still what really really trying to kind of keep going and keep us going forward and, and getting and losing his mind about it really. so you know really I, I picked the second two for the commitment really rather than maybe some of the actual contributions to the game in the second half but um uh, you know you've i say you're wally bowman pennington you know we, we could even have thrown a couple of other players in there but they would all have also had shit second half so almost all got asterisk next to them <laughs> really odd really odd top three ollie yeah, it was odd. And yeah, just let's close this game off. So we've already done the Leahy comments. The manager we've talked about quite a bit as well. Um, and yeah, he was just really, I think, maybe just summarise it. He was not happy at all with the performances um, of the players. Um, he, he was interesting, I thought. He's given insight, you know, the feedback he gave them at half-time. And, and yeah, almost like he was, he almost he was proved right with the second-half performance. And yeah, we are getting to that point in the season now where you look ahead and what's going to happen. And yeah, it's, 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 it's hard to get... I don't know, Charlton is always an interesting game. Um, I think I'd love to be going. I don't think I'll be going to this one. Charlton away is always a real fun game for me as well. I've got a good friend of mine who's a Charlton fan, some good boozers, and it's a good good London trip on the train. And maybe I'll see if I can t- 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 my, uh, yeah, test my luck, but I think I'll fail. But um, <laughs> other than that, and then obviously the Wigan game coming up as well. And I don't know, I think these performances, yeah, I'm not overly that bothered about the end of the season now. It's, it's kind of added a little bit of a, I don't know, turned into a bit of a damn squid maybe. I think that's a fair way to say it. I think most people leaving the stadium on Saturday were like, the season's sort of finished now, even though there's two games left to go, because not many of us go to Charlton, I suppose. There'll be the usual three to 400, maybe a little bit more, because it's London Shrews who are down there as yeah, well. Yeah, it'd be more that, that 600 not... easy, I reckon. Yeah, London. but not all of them are coming down. And the I can't remember who it was who put it on Twitter or Facebook or someone, and it said, um, don't let the nine minutes of football ruin a good day out. <laughs> yeah, I saw that earlier on. I can't remember that was now. Yeah. Was it Chris? It was, um, um, Chris, one of yeah, the guys who goes to the Prince. Been. 
Chris Wynn, yeah, there you go. Um, and so yeah, I'll be going to Charlton. Um, we're going out for the weekend and then coming back to play golf on Sunday. So I'll be I'll be down there and I'm and I will you know continue my record, Ollie. If we win or lose, it doesn't really matter because it's the last away game. I'll have seen every away victory in league and cup for Shrewsbury Town this season. There you go. So I, I did manage to maintain that record, Ollie. I was talking about about six seven weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it'll be a difficult game. I mean, you know, they're down there with us. It's a chance for one of us to finish slightly higher than seventeenth, isn't it? Um. And our record there is a bit mix and match, isn't it? Sometimes we've been good, obviously the playoffs and the good season, but other times we've gone there and got gubbed. So um, I don't know. And then Wigan, uh, you know, they're going to be playing hell for leather, aren't they, to, to clinch promotion. So a hard game coming up. But yeah, just, you're right, the season sort of drifted away now. You know, we could easily lose the next two. We could remarkably get a win or something. You, you don't know. Anything could happen really now. It just depends what the attitude of the players is like off the back of that off the back of that result on, on, on Easter Monday and what team turn up at Charlton. But I, I imagine they, they've been professional this season, haven't they? despite how shit we've been at times they've always been professional and not thrown in the tools have they so I, I suspect we won't get a fully on the beach game at any point mm, yeah there's a definitely on the beach second sure. half performance but I think we'll be we'll still cover the games and we'll still see what happens but yeah I oh, think yeah. it's going to be tough and I guess probably just kind of closing the podcast off obviously Derby were relega- relegated or should I call them yep. when Wayne Rooney's Derby County yeah probably um, and yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Obviously, there's a, a, a American gentleman who's trying to buy the club. Um, it's I am. It's going to be fascinating. Obviously, it won't happen until next season. Um, but it'd be really fascinating when we start looking at some of these accounts that some of the clubs have had. Um, Good yep. old Wigan um, back to probably making a loss again. It'll be interesting to see what it is. And obviously, Derby coming down, another club, an absolute shambles of a financial mess, um, and another club joining the kind of. Um, Failed championship club um, party that's going on in League One. Yeah, I saw a lot of Reading and Do- and um, Birmingham fans laughing at Derby going down, and they I think they've both forgotten that they have the biggest black holes in the championship in their clubs. So you know they might laugh. Re- now, Reading but... spend over two hundred percent of their income on wages. <laughs> Absolutely bonkers. In... So they're, yeah. they're the sort of teams you could see down in League One in a few years' time as well when it all goes kaput and it will. And yeah, the whole thing is financial stuff's just very odd at the moment. There's, there's one comp- there's one. Um, NFT, you know, this sort of crypto bros thing, oh, trying to buy like a, a they league club Crawley as well. They brought Crawley, didn't they? They brought Crawley. Yeah, but they, apparently it's another club as well, because um, Crawley, Crawley were about to get relegated, but it sounds like they won't go down now, doesn't it? Because Oldham had another nightmare on Saturday. Um, oh yeah, um, interesting. But, yeah. I was going to talk about League 2 then, that's fantastic. They both went there, because Scunthorpe got relegated. And did you see this statement yeah. from the club? No, I didn't It was know. literally, we've been relegated, and we're probably going to do a review of what happened. Thanks. That was it. It was appalling. <laughs> Absolutely Roots appalling. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Why we'll have a bit of a whinge and stuff because our defenders didn't defend in the second half. Um, yeah, look at Wrexham still in, in the National League. Look at Oldham, absolute mess. And yeah, could be could be yeah. two clubs in our of our age, Glenn, who are you know football league you know stalwarts in terms of Oldham and Scunthorpe um, going down to National League again. Well, let's be honest. Yeah, I totally agree. I feel bad for Oldham because obviously my boss, who I've talked about on the podcast loads of times before, and they missed another penalty at a crucial time. Third game in a row, they missed a penalty, Oldham. So they're definitely doing their best to get themselves relegated. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, we could talk about all the football and how bad this season's been at times and how we've sort of saved ourselves. But you got to remember, for us as Shoe Town fans who started going in the 90s, we're still enjoying some of the better times, Ollie. So I think, yeah, it, you know, the summer will re- recoup us to remember that we're a League One team. We've been a consistent League One team. We flirted with relegation a few times. But, you know, these are some of the better times we've had in the last um, 20, 30 years, aren't they, since we got down from the Championship. So, yeah, we should remember that sometimes, Ollie. Yeah, let's let's be a bit, a bit positive balance. at the end of this one. Um, 
considering we did throw a 3 0 lead away. But yeah, yeah, you have to remember that. <laughs> so, yeah, so obviously, coming to the end of the season now, we'll try and get a few different guests on. Obviously, we do the end of season review as well. We need to kind of figure out some dates. But, you know, yeah. there's nothing, you know, you know, everyone always looks forward to Christmas more than maybe you actually enjoy Christmas yourself. You know, you always look forward to a summer holiday more than maybe you enjoy the holiday. <laughs> so obviously we can now start thinking and get excited about all those midfielders and number 10s we're going to sign in the summer. So the next week or so we'll start looking at that. Maybe we'll do a little bit on each podcast looking ahead to the season. Maybe, I don't know, split it up. Defenders, midfielders, strikers, who signs, who stays. Yeah, yeah. We'll maybe put some polls out as well. Who should we sign? Obviously, Sean Worley is going to be a big discussion point as well. Um, so, yeah, plenty of things for a discuss um, in terms of signings and players over the next few weeks. Yeah, good stuff. No, we'll dig into that. And then, the same. I'm looking forward to the end of the season review. We'll see if we can rustle up to be a guest on that one. But, um, yeah, there we go. We'll leave that one there, Ollie. A bit of a, a weird Easter, frankly. Um, yeah, the Easter Bunny did not deliver three points, unfortunately, um, but did deliver lots of goals. So I saw a few people saying, oh, well, everyone likes seeing a 3-3 draw. It's entertaining. I was like, it's much more entertaining when you've come back from 3-0 down rather, yeah. rather than <laughs> rather than lose a 3-0 lead. But there we go. I'm sure that uh, next Easter we'll be looking at something more positive. But, yeah, we'll be back next Sunday. I'm going down to Charlton. I'll cover that one. You'll be watching the game, won't you, um, yeah. Ollie? And, um, yeah, everyone have a good week, and we'll catch you down in London. Cheers for listening, guys. Oh!